Comedy talk at its worst. It's the Lunatic Radio Show. What up, everybody? LR Radio Show. Lunatic Radio Show, the lunaticradio.com show, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> Very grumpy coming in. Hi. Hi, cool teacher in the chat room. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the radio program, everybody. I'm Kieran. That's Chris Italia over there in the beautiful city of New York, which everybody is leaving, apparently. What is that right? Radio. I don't even know if Chris's microphone is working. Is it right? Everybody's leaving? It was packed this weekend. I'll say that. It's packed this week? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people are walking around. I uh, took a drive around Manhattan just to see what was going on. And it seems like those, you know, I mean, we were packed pretty much all weekend. And brunch was packed both days. So, you know, there's definitely people around. I don't think it's empty. Right. I think more people are coming back. Right. Than leaving. Anybody well, listening to the live show, please let me know if you can hear Chris now. <laughs> because I don't know if I can hear him or not. My headphones in my studio are so off of what the people are hearing the show at back home. I have no idea what the sound audio sounds like. Can you hear you? Can hear? I, no, I can hear you. But I don't know if the people can. And... You sounded muffled, and when like your voice was coming over the audio that I was playing, I was like, I don't know if I can hear him. I'm like, I fucking don't care. Chris sounds good. Okay, Chris sounds low coming in. So now you got to turn up your microphone. Jesus Christ. See, you can't, can't shut me down. I know. I can't. I can't fucking. I don't understand. How about now? I, I don't know. I, actually, I don't know because I'm sitting in my studio, which apparently is the flagship where all this fucking noise is coming from. Yet I don't know. Comedy talk at its worst. Yet I don't know what the fucking show sounds like. I sound super loud in my headphones, but I'm like, I guess I gotta deal with it because I'm sound super low to the people that are listening to the show. This is all fucking behind the scenes bullshit. But What's going on it's right there? driving What's me thing fucking bonkers, dude. I can't. What's the thing you got? Going I need some. On? I need some uh, fucking seventeen-year-old or eighteen-year-old mother whiz kid to come in here and go. This is all your fucking shits out of whack, old man. This is how we fix it. I think you just need an audio engineer. I do. I need something. I need a fucking gun pull trigger. That's why I need. You guys see this, by the way? Mm-hmm. It's your dog. I know. We see your dog. <laughs> I have fucking lost it with the show. I have lost it with the show. I'm done. I think I'm done. I did a, I did a, a radio call in on Reckless Radio or you you weren't acknowledging it so I wanted yeah. to make sure that <laughs> I was just like I'm going to Chris sounds good now. All right, coming in from Cool Teacher, Chris sounds good now. So, there we go. All right. So we're all set. We're all ready to go and do radio shows. If you want to follow this mess of a radio program that's on been on for two decades, follow us at Lunatic Radio across the board. If you have a random question, random questions at lunaticradio.com, random question at lunaticradio.com, random question at lunaticradio.com. If you want to want to do that and uh, send in some fucking shit and uh, yeah, there you go. Even my monitor level on my board that cost me $2,000 does not fucking work. 
Mine cost 80. Yeah. I should have just fucking. What's that thing? What's that going on? Everybody else did. Why is it spinning? Why is that spinning? What is spinning? I don't know what's spinning, Chris. My in your, in your mug. What is that? What is what is spinning? What's that thing in your mug that's spinning? In my mug? Yeah. No. What? What are you Looks talking like it's about? Spinning. I don't know what you're saying right now. Looks I have like no idea spinning. what you're saying. I have no idea. Looks like what the liquid talking. inside is spinning. It's Why coffee. It? I have coffee. I'm drinking coffee. I drink alpha. It's some alpha brain. I got some caffeine running through me. I'm gonna be fucking. Is it a hyper. mug that makes coffee? By it's itself. A mug? What? It looks like one of those mugs that makes coffee by itself. Like it I don't brews know coffee. You, I don't know what fucking chiba you were smoking this weekend, but I don't know what chiba coffee chiba that makes. Y'all. I don't know of a mug that makes coffee by itself. I do. Yeah. His mic needs to be up, not pointed down. Oh, so people oh, can't. Come hear. on. Yeah. See, there you go. Cool teacher's trying to teach I, you how to do radio. I can barely, I can barely reach it as it's so short. I don't have the right chair to adjust. Well, if you're on the radio, Chris, talking into the microphone is probably the first step. We need to cover. You know, it's the first. But like, why wouldn't a mic, if a mic this size, why wouldn't I be able to go like this and talk to it? No. Why do I have to have it right here? Yeah, because it's one of those uh, Joe Rogan type microphones. You got to talk Ugh. right into that motherfucker. You know, yeah. that's the way it's got to be. If you want to well, call into the radio program, 716-325-0299. If you want to uh, use that number, 716-325-0299, to leave drunk calls instead of embarrassing yourself in front of your mom's, dad's, husband, boyfriend's, uh, whatever. Uh, and you don't want to leave a drunk call message, you can call the radio program, 716-325-0299, and we'll replay your message on the show and make fun of you. So it'd be kind of fun. Oh, that's, that sounds like an incentive. Yeah, it's an incentive. People used, <laughs> me of all people. Like, people used to do it for uh, many me. years. They love doing it. So yeah, go ahead and do that if you want to do that. Um, all right. So it is the Lunatic Radio Show. A lot has happened. I watched the Patrice O'Neill fucking documentary last night i was very uh, i didn't get sad. to it yet i didn't get to it yet you didn't see it yet no i've been meaning to, i was gonna watch this definitely this weekend so i'll probably watch it tonight um but you know I, I was you know i know a lot about it because i was you know i set up i set up a lot of the things uh on it and i helped out with some uh, archival footage mm-hmm. and brill burr's interview was done at the stand i believe i think one or two others that so are I was present for a lot documentary. Of like that, yeah, it's a bunch of comedians talking about how much they love Patrice and blah 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 over the um, yeah over the years and stuff. Yeah, it was great, man. Yeah, I, I loved it. It, it was uh, it it really uh, it didn't. Did you feel like you learned active. something new that you didn't really already know about him? What's that? Did you feel like you learned something new that you you didn't know about him? Me, no, but I, I would imagine uh, like somebody who's just doesn't know, he doesn't didn't follow Patrice that well uh, would learn something new, you know? I mean, I, I, yeah. kinda, I obsessed about Patrice. I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they viewed him as like this guy who was like kind of unapproachable, like he, like he was too intimidating for some reason, mm. but he really wasn't. It was just his way of like making it you know, like he didn't want to make it seem so easy. Like you had to earn his like trust and friendship and all that stuff, which was fine. A lot of people do that, but he, it was almost like a test for him. Like if you can, if you can get through like me abusing you for a day, you know, then I'm your best friend because you know, it means that you're not, 
you're not so like you're not buttoned up or you you know you you let your guard down or whatever and I can be myself because this is what I do and if you're uh, if you're able to take it then you know I'm going to talk to you know like a normal person you know what I mean and that's what he would do I mean he would kind of give people a hard time when he first met them and then eventually just warm up to you so like like so we were filming like this we were I'll give an example we were filming a pilot for A A A A E, and uh, this was in two thousand six, I believe. And uh, he, 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 like for some reason, he loved the crew that we had. Like he, he thought they were just like the perfect amount of people, people and different kinds of people that he can buzz balls on. You know, like he loved diversity and in, in so many groups like so if you if you were a white guy a spanish guy and a polish guy in a in a group of friends like he that was like his shit he just but if it was all three italians that was boring to him so we had like this israeli film crew but we also had like you know a mixture of, of like sound sound guy you know key grip all that stuff so he was just going in on them all day long Right. Hold on. You got a dog. You got to get rid of the dog because your dog's bothering your story as you're doing the radio show. Yeah. And, yeah. Which, by the way, the, the documentary. Which, it's a documentary. Which, by the way, he loved dogs. Lake, I mean, great comedian. One of, the, one of the things he loved the most was dogs. So. Oh, Patrice. Patrice. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love dogs. Like that was uh, hurting a dog. Someone learning about learning that someone hurt a dog. Versus hurting, uh, learning that someone hurt another human. To him, the the dog abuser was the worst person. Mm-hmm. Um. So he was, you know, so he so he went in on the, on this crew. We were filming him all day, right, from morning morning till till night, and uh, so it was about a fifteen hour shoot altogether. And it was a long day for him because, you know, that's just it just was done on a low budget. We had to we had to get everything in one day, and we had to set up different shots in one day, versus spreading it out over two or three days because we just didn't have the budget for it. And we told him about it. We said, if, you know, if he was going to be okay with that, uh, he was totally cool with it. And we, you know, we went in. You know, we started we started working on it, and we arrived at his house that morning. And from the drop. He just started in on on everybody, and just shit on everybody all day long. Especially the sound guy, and the sound guy was like literally. By the time by the time dinner came, no, not dinner. Late, we had a late lunch. It was like four o'clock. By the time we had lunch, late lunch, the sound guy was ready to walk off the sh- the the taping. He was just right. like, I can't do this anymore. This guy's just. I was like, I'm telling you, it's okay. I'll, I'll give him a talking to or whatever, and we'll we'll be all right for the rest of the night. And he's like, I'm, he goes, the next thing he says, I'm, I'm, I didn't have to say anything. We're sitting at lunch, and Patrice chooses that guy to sit next to. And all of a sudden, he just starts endearing himself to him, you know, like, hey, man, you know, tell me your situation. Where are you from? You have a wife, you know, this, that. And, like, they just got into it, you know? And all of a sudden, Patrice has got a thousand questions for this guy that's not has nothing to do with ball busting. And by the end of 
by the end of eating that meal, which was like about, about an hour, they were best friends. Mm-hmm. And it, just to see the way he turned it on for that guy and made that guy like kind of fall in love with him, it was incredible. It was just, but like that's what he did, and like he was charming in that way, and like you know. Every time you felt like you were going to hate him, you fell in love with him. And that's, that, that was his thing. He just knew how to turn everybody to his side. Even like, you know, like he says a lot of misogynistic things, you know, in, in his stand up and his just way of life and all that stuff. And you might be offended if you're a woman, but if you spent any time one on one with him, by the time you were done, he would have had you. Like he would have turned. You, even if you still didn't agree with what he said, you still would have said, oh, he's like a really nice guy. He made me laugh. So, like, it was hard to hate him. He, he was just so good at what he did, you know, at making people like him, make people connect with him, that it was it was hard. It was hard to, like, say, yeah, I don't agree with anything he says, but, I, but yeah, he's fucking hilarious, and I still love him, you know? So, like, it, it that was the way it was. And... He kind of like, you know, when he first started comedy, he was just going up there and kind of writing jokes on stage, you know, and not really having like a typical act, you know what I mean? And then like the switch went off at some point where he just worked the audience, worked the audience, worked the audience until they became his playground. And eventually like he can go, I was on, I watched shows with him where he'd be two or three hours sets. And the entire time, people are fucking rolling. You know, like, I've seen other comics do that, like Chappelle, and and it's not the same. He fucking has you rolling the entire time. And it's if you can if you can catch it, it's one of the best things ever. Well, you and I saw him in uh, Persephone, New Jersey at a Holiday Inn or something like that. Sorry about the dog. He did, yeah. I know. As soon as I start talking, the dog goes. <laughs> dog doesn't like my voice. Doesn't like your voice. Oh, there goes the dog. Um, yeah, you saw him in. Uh, yeah, I don't even know where I was. Um, Patrice, you saw Patrice. Yeah, in uh, Parsippany, New Jersey, and he did a right, right. Remember set. that show? Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, he's he was just great. It was good to watch the documentary. The thing about it, think about that show that you went to in Parsippany, New Jersey, is like a catering hall within a hotel. Yeah, it was just some like, you know, it was just some show in the middle of nowhere. It really was. And, and, you know, where they just threw a stage up in a hotel somewhere. And you can probably, you can probably say that the majority of that audience was like white middle class Jersey, like husbands, husband and wife couple or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, whether they were there to see him or they weren't, Two hundred and change the people in there, and he had them the entire fucking time. Like he had them in the palm of his hands, and it's like you would expect. Like this crowd might be might turn on him, and maybe it was a different time, you know, mm-hmm. than it is now. And I always wonder. I mean, like you'll hear it over and over. What would Patrice be doing now? And you know, how would things go now? And you know, this is he would have loved this time. Yeah. He would have loved this time because he would have been able to challenge it. And it, he, it would have been like the, his most favorite thing to do because he was always challenging audiences. He was always trying to get them to, you know, not agree with him. And then he can turn you and they would agree with him. It's 
fucking amazing how you yeah, would work. Yeah, he probably so, would like, have he, thrived in, the, in this time because of the crazier the world got. I mean, that's what Patrice was. He would take simple things and make them sound crazy. So with the world in turn becoming crazy and things being outrageous just uh, in everyday society, it would have been something special for him to comment on. Because yeah, yeah. yeah he would have yeah. he would have a different angle than any because we li- we certainly do live in a in a time where everybody has a fucking opinion, but Patrice's opinion, I would imagine, in this time would have been unique. You know, but yeah, you know, he used to go on those like news shows and 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 debate political pundits <laughs> because it was just fun. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm yeah, like, he really had no fear. Uh, he had zero. He has fear. no idea. He has no idea what he's talking about. Right. He has zero idea. <laughs> He has no idea about politics. But he okay? would figure it out during, on the, along the way as he's talking. He would figure it out. He would get to the He point. would just sit there and listen to what they said and then just be the adversary. In any way, he would pick one or two words right. that they used and just throw it right back in their face. Yeah, like a, It was fantastic. It was like a boxer. It was jipping and jabbing. Right, you know, right, ducking right. His head and and then there was, a, there was that one famous one where he that, like went after that woman, right? That, uh, she was like a right-wing... Yeah, I'm right wing. Yeah. She's like this right wing, like political. Like she, she was all about censorship or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And he just like went in on her, and like she kept saying, like you know, you know, you don't think it's wrong for people to say the n word? He's like, no, you should say it. Say it right now. <laughs> like you know, I know you want to just say it. You know, and he was like, he was like yeah. saying like borderline racist stuff to, to mm-hmm. her. Yeah. So he can try and get it out of her. Mm-hmm. And this is this is live on fucking Fox News. You know, it's, it's amazing. I've never seen so, somebody. I've never seen a comic that made me pay attention more than Patrice O'Meal. I mean, obviously. Oh yeah, you had to watch the entire set. was before my time. Obviously, I listened to Dave Chappelle. You know, when he talks, you just have to listen. For some reason he he brings him, but Patrice was one of those guys. And obviously, maybe I'm a little partial to him because I saw him uh, live a bunch of times. But, it, man, he just, I don't care what the fuck he was talking about. He, I wanted to listen to him. I wanted to hear him figure it out or whatever the hell he was talking about. I wanted to hear his thought process and the way he thought. And he, was, he used to do that just on stage. He wasn't one of these guys that got on stage and was just like, you know, how did a chicken get across the road? He didn't do punchlines. He told stories. He figured shit out. It was very interesting to watch. He had a philosophy with the way he lived. And he, whether you liked it or not, or whether you thought it was appropriate or not, he stuck to it. Mm-hmm. And so it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when they first heard it, or you know, the or, or you know, you just like listening to it and just like, eh, why is this guy saying this? And it's like, no, no, no you got to listen to the whole thing. If you listen to the whole thing, it all start to make sense. Right. And you know, some people just wouldn't do it because they didn't want to like him, but they they would wind up fucking loving them and that you know that's so hard to do now there's not there's not enough people that do it i think the only one that's really kind of captured some of that is bill burr because mm-hmm. he's from that school and bill's been able to like kind of take a little bit of that essence that retreats had and put it into his own his, his own stand-up it is fun to think about where patrice would have been you know because bill burr was kind of like his, um, you know, his crony going up, you know. I mean, and Bill turned into like a legend. He's like yeah, a, a name, yeah. and you wonder where Patrice would have been at this point, you know, in in twenty twenty one. You know, had he you know lived and continued to do stand up and stuff, you know. 
would he have been, you know, the, like a Chappelle type? Or, you know, all these guys say the Mount Rushmore of comics. Would he have been up there? Well, you know? let's, let's put it put it this way. When he when he first uh, his last album, Elephant in the Room, mm-hmm. there was so much. Uh, there were so many expectations for that album to be great, and so many people had anticipated it for so long. They wanted it for such a long time. So just on that alone, you realized how huge he had been had been coming. You know, he had, he started to become this huge, really big fucking comic, and that would have been the start of like his superstardom. Right, would have been elephant in the room, and then by now, he probably would have been. You know, again, you know, they would have tried to have canceled him more than more than once, but he may be able to have survived that, and you know. No one see the thing is the whole cancel culture thing is interesting because most people don't want are afraid of being taken down. You know, they have a lot of people around them that say, Hey, you do this, the money goes away, the you know, the offers go away and all that stuff. And so they would normally not press the envelope. You know what I mean? But he didn't give a shit about that. He didn't want to be famous. He would say it all the time. He was like, I don't want to be too famous to where I can't say what I want. Mm. I want to just be right under the radar. And I was, there was a fear. There was a, the only thing he really ever feared was being pressed with having to be Kevin Hart, having to be Cat Williams. Because, look, I mean, eventually Cat Williams went away because why? He was not PC and, like, you know, he was a little bit fucking crazy and he would say crazy things. And he didn't want to be that guy, but he also didn't want to be Kevin Hart either. Right. You know, and, you know, and that's, you know, Kevin Hart. I'm sure I've told you the story. Now that I bring up Kevin Hart, there was, uh, he used to torture Kevin Hart. Torture. There is video, obviously in in the documentary, you see a little bit of the video of giant six foot six Patrice and five foot three Kevin Hart on on the city streets of New York and, Having that right. little pow out outside the comedy club, you could see a little bit of Patrice torturing Kevin Hart. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and so the one story that's like kind of legendary now was uh, there was so you know, everybody most comedy fans know that there was there's a comedy cellar obviously on McDougal Street, Manhattan, mm-hmm. and right around the corner for a long time was a place called the Boston Comedy Club, and really the Boston Comedy Club was like this you know shit room that you would just always try new material in, and then you would go do your A material at the cellar, right? Mm-hmm. So, And you were doing spots uh, back and forth all night long, you know? And uh, so Kev, you know, basically, Kev and Patrice, they would rotate from both clubs. And what a lot of times would happen was you would do a spot at the cellar, and then you would run over to the Boston Comedy Club and have to wait for the person to get off on stage, and then you go on stage and do your spot. So a lot, So a lot of times... Patrice would be trailing Kevin, right? So Kevin was now on stage at the Boston Comedy Club. And since there was nowhere to go in in the Boston Comedy Club, either you were sitting – as a comic, there was no green room. So either you were standing outside or you were, you know, watching the comic inside. Mm -hmm. So sometimes Patrice would stand and, like, he he loved to heckle. He loved to heckle comics, especially his friends like Jim Norton, Colin Quinn, and Bill Burr and stuff. He loved to fuck around. But – this one time, where he's he's standing there, 
at the balls and kind of going, Kev's, you know, burning the light a little bit, and he's in a, he's got to get back to the cellar to do another spot. Right. So fucking, uh, he picks up a fucking phone book, and he just flings it at stage. And, like, from the corner of his eye, uh, Kev sees the phone book fucking yeah. coming, and he just dodges it. And he just starts flipping out. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You're fucking crazy. He goes, step on the phone book. No one can see you. <laughs> short. And it was just the most. And it's like, in one moment, he was saying, like, wow, this guy's crazy. He just threw a phone book at Kevin Hart. Yeah. But the second is, like, that is the most hilarious thing ever. Right. He just threw a phone book and told the guy to stand on it because he's too short. Yeah. And that's for Trace. And that's like the shit he would do. I, I'd be in the crowd at the cellar a bunch of times where he would totally just, it would just be a back and forth between him and the comic on stage. The entire, the entire set would be that. You know, he, mm-hmm. he would go back and forth with Bill. He would go back and forth with Colin and Bobby Kelly and, uh, and Patrice and like, uh, not Patrice, uh, Jim Horn. And like, and he, you know, like with Bobby, he would always, like Bobby Kelly, if anybody knows Bobby Kelly, he's uh, uh, one of Patrice's best friends. And with Bobby Kelly, he always knew like this. There's this angry guy from Boston that was molested as a kid, and he's pretending to be somebody else. Because Bobby's thing is like, he talked about women a lot. He talked about food, you know. And so like Patrice would always say, no, talk about your anger and how much you hate people. That's what you should be talking about. That's what you should be joking about. And so he would watch Bobby in person just aggravate him. Anytime he would see him do like what, what he deemed as surface or soft jokes, mm-hmm. he would fucking go in on Bobby on stage. It lied. I mean, it's insane. Like you're going in on your best friend in front of like, you know, a full packed house at the cellar or whatever it was. Because he, he didn't think Bobby was being. Because he's like, I'm not going to let you get through this easy. Right. I'm calling you out. And so he would fucking incite them to like do the other shit that they talked about maybe a week earlier or some shit like that. You know, we were on the phone talking about this joke. How come you're not doing that joke? And he would just fucking do it. Like, go in on you and you couldn't get through your set until you did what he wanted. Yeah. So like, it was insane. Like the fact that he, not that he was like the police of it, but he was, he was sort of saying like, I'm not going to let you be a mediocre comic. Like I'm going to, I'm going to push you to be better. And that's why everybody loved him. Like, you know, that he was the guy that was, wouldn't let you get away with it. He would do the same thing to Dane. He did a lot that, that Dane cause like it got to the point where, Dane Cook couldn't perform in small clubs because Patrice would always be there shitting on <laughs> And they were best they were best friends too. Well that was the thing. It, was, it came in. They came, in, they came in as a clique, right? It was Bobby, Patrice, uh Dane, uh and like maybe another handful of comedians all came in Boston around the same time. Mm-hmm. Bill Burr obviously is the other one. And and you know, they all kind of knew each other and they all kind of held each other to a certain standard. And if you didn't, if you didn't follow that standard, he was the one that in, that inflicted the pain. And it was, yes. as a as a comedy fan, if you were there on those nights, it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, the one thing that came across in the documentary about Patrice is that he was always, he always wanted to be people to be truthful, and he was truthful on stage. That's what like what came across. And I guess you know to his friends that were close to him, 
he didn't want to see them be phony either. So that's maybe the reason right. why he would heckle them. You know? Right. And then offstage, he was fantastic. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, I mean, look, uh, you know, whether he rubbed certain people the wrong way or not, I, you know, maybe there was a few cases. But for me, for example, like, you know, he was always looking out for us. He was always like trying, you know, because we had we were just doing like produce shows and stuff like Great that, humor and clubs and you know shitty rooms and things. And he he just kept pressing us like, keep doing this, keep doing this. You know, you got to do more of these. You can't just stop here. You can't do that. Even though you're not getting, you're not even getting shit. Like if it was a bad night, like we would have a bad night, audience wise, every once in a while, mm. and he would be like, you know, give me half of what you told me you were gonna give me. You know, I don't want I don't want your money because you know we obviously you you obviously didn't do well uh, audience wise, and I'm not, I I don't want to take that money from you. And it's like no, it's fine. Like we're like, look, you know, we wanted you on the show. We we're gonna pay you what you're worth or pay you what we agreed to. Mm. And he was just one of those guys, who's like always looking out for other people because he didn't want them to feel discouraged to not do it because we were part of like helping him, right? I mean, we were always you know, helping his brand and all that stuff and getting him a lot of stage time on our shows, giving him as much time as he wanted on any of the shows. So like, you know, why should he discourage those, those people from doing these shows, even if they don't do well? Um, so he was constantly helping us in that regard. Like he, he really encouraged us and like, you know, he loved Patrick and, you know, I, sometimes like, for example, like Patrick booked that show, uh, that you went to in Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he didn't see Patrick, he would always like worry about him. Like, is he, well, what happened? Is he all right? You know, why is he not here? Because Patrick would never miss like a set or anything like that. So, like, you know, he was always thinking about everybody else. And, like, even that show, he fucking crushed. You saw it. He calls me like an hour later and, and asks me if, if I thought it was okay. Like, if I, he had done good enough. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you're fucking mine. <laughs> like, yeah. First of all, the, the what do you care about my opinion? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. that's the last thing you should be worrying about. But second, like, yeah, you didn't hear that? Like, you crushed. Like, what? You know, I just want to make sure they're getting their money's worth. That's what he said. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you gave them an hour and a half of, of comedy that was, you know, nonstop. You yeah. know, it never, it never stopped fucking being amazing. So... It's a it's a good documentary. It it really is a good it's a good documentary. Patrice is a great comic. He's certainly something that should be remembered for years to come. You know, he's not he's 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 an original, really. He really is. So it, it it's I mean, if you have Comedy Central, you want to watch it on Comedy Central. It's uh, Patrice O'Neill killing is. Well, you go to the app now, and they they're running the full one. I don't know if you realized on Friday night. <clears throat> Oh, I saw it cut, on the app. It was a cut-down version of it. Oh, I, I saw it on the app. I guess I got the full one because it was like an hour and yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, the app was – there's no ads, obviously, and, and yeah. it's uncut. Yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was great. It was great. It was cool to see all, everybody talk about him and, and the folks that knew him. And, and uh, he was nice enough to do our show when, when we actually had Patrick Miller. Yeah, and that, was a gr- and that was a great interview, right? Yeah. Well, it really wasn't an interview. We were like, hey, Patrice, welcome to the show. And Patrice just went on. <laughs> and I was like, that's good. I'm good with that. Just fucking, you know, he killed it. He, he's he's a great gift of gab. He has really uh, well thought out uh, points about relationships and all sorts of things in, in life. And it was it was great. Yeah, 
He's he's just a legend. He really is up there, you know. And you can yeah, see uh, that. I I miss him, and and you know, you got to give credit to his, you know, fiance, um, who really never stopped working on that documentary. She got kind of fucked over with the first production company she started working with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she kept going, you know, and then she teamed up with Bill, which is the right move and uh, got it right. But she's been like, she's done an incredible job of putting stuff out of his like consistently, like, so you don't forget him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she spaces it out and she produces that show every year. Uh, they do the Patrice O'Neill annual you know, memorial show uh, in Manhattan, and they do a great job of booking it, and they and they make sure he's not forgotten, and it's great because you don't want to ever forget a guy like that. You know, he just gave back so much, and obviously, you know, just listening to his material, man, it's just it's just a, it's you don't you don't ever stop playing it like you'll. You know, as you start listening to his album, you're not going to stop to the end. Right. And after I watched the documentary last night, I went on to YouTube and I went on a fucking binge watch of uh, Tough Crowd, which was the old show hosted by oh, no, Colin so, Quinn. On that, it. that might as well have been called the Patrice O'Neill show. Yeah, and, and Patrice was on it a lot. It was, you know, like a a four-man paddle of com- comics and talking about the day's events. And it was just, it's great to watch Patrice on there. And uh, when, when Colin sold that show to Comic Central, yeah. in his mind... He already knew what the show was going to be. Yeah, and it was it was all about putting a guy like Patrice on mm-hmm. and having people see his greatness. Yeah, and he was he was he was fantastic on that show, and that show should still be around. It's it's unfortunate it's that. It's not- yeah, what are you gonna do? I mean, at this point, he's had offers, you know, to come back. He doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it's just uh, it's good enough to let what happened happened and let it. Sure. Be, yeah. You know. But also, it's probably because it's a different time, and you can't say the same things you were doing when he did it. Yeah, it sucks. You can't be honest anymore. Right. <laughs> it's fucking fun, isn't it? Oh, Christ. Yeah. So go uh, check out the Patrice O'Neill thing on Comedy Central. You'll enjoy it. There's some funny shit in there. Yeah, it's it's uh, he's a good person to remember. Uh, let's do a break, and so I can like. Oh, by the way, it. before I forget, uh, I mentioned his fiance. Her name is Von Von Carlo Brown. Mm. Go on her Instagram, and she has tons of stuff, Patrice stuff. Uh, you know, she's always updating, so you sh- she's a great follow. Say and she's again, started Von. doing comedy like about three or four years ago, and she's getting she's getting better and better all the time. She's got her own voice too. It's not like you know she's not like trying to do Patrice or anything like that. So she's she's a good person just to follow on social media, just Say- for the stuff she puts out, and then obviously, you know, things she talks about with Patrice. Say her name again. Vonde Carlo Brown. Vonde Carlo Brown. Okay. There you go. I think Vonde Carlo is on everything. She mostly everything on her social media. All right. We'll uh, take a quick break. 30 seconds back on lunaticradio.com. Sure after this. You know, the one thing that would make this better? A really big hit of window pane acid. Lunatic Radio. What up, everybody? LR Radio program. No rock anymore. Rock's not on the show. 
I'm too lazy to you, change the beds. You're gonna do you're gonna do K Dog and Chris bumpers now that yeah, every once when I'm on. I gotta find the guy that did the voiceovers for this. I'll show. do it. I don't know. No, I don't, I'm good. comedy talking. It's no, worst. I'm, I'm good. Now that Chris is on, I'm completely <laughs> behind you not doing it. Uh, LR radio program, uh, lunatic radio show. And, uh, yeah, that's us. Fucking a bro. Uh, social media is at lunatic radio. If you want to fucking get that. this camera right, it's really frustrating. Me. Yeah. You got the camera going. Chris has got the camera. He's got his background. He's got a sheetrock. He's got all that stuff going on. Is this sheetrock? Is this sheetrock? I don't know. Who it is. No, it's brick. Covered brick. Yeah. I love when, uh, like, I was just complaining to Chris before the show uh, because we were having auto problems and I was fucking getting annoyed. And I was like, man, whoever decided to put these goddamn podcasts on goddamn video, I'm going to fucking strangle. Because my nightmare is the video portion of it. It's such a pain in the ass. It adds, well, that's my, it, that's it, my nightmare just because of my, my face is on it. It adds fucking hours into my prep to do the visual. Hours. Got to fucking get graphics for everything I fucking talk about. God, I want to strangle the motherfucker who's like, right, let's put the podcast on the video. Now I'm like, oh, now I'm like fucking CNN over here. I got to be an editor, producer, fucking every. I'm like, it's annoying. I got to be the host. Drives me fucking crazy. Cool teacher checking well, in. Well, that's what you are, the host. <laughs> I just want to be the host. <laughs> no. I don't want to do the fucking cut the, cut the shot too. Cut the fucking. I got to do all this shit as I'm doing the, the show. What's the closest university to you? Arizona State University. If I did so go put there, on a I, thing. Would, would I guarantee you get an intern to come in. She's got to be blonde, titties, 22. No, see, that's no, you don't want that. I know because I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't care about that. Can't have it. Can't have it. Yeah. I can't have it. I wouldn't. Can't have it. Yeah. No, I can't. Yeah. Old, young enough can't to be have. my daughter. Uh, it's all right. Nothing wrong with that. Um. Yeah. Uh, speaking of getting canceled, uh, Patrice, everybody's trying to cancel Patrice. I guess uh, Chris Italia is still being canceled. Is that is that the case? Uh, yeah, it's heartbreaking, this one. This one was heartbreaking. Uh, what's, I don't know. I have no idea. You have to fully explain this because I have right. zero clue what you're talking about. So, you know, about, yeah. I want to say about seven years ago, I met this girl named Luisa Diaz. Luisa Diaz. Who's Luisa she was, Diaz? She was assisting. Uh, she was assisting like the Just for Last festival, mm-hmm. and okay. like you know she was doing she was doing scouting with them. But she was like their New York scout, all slash like you know she would go travel the country with them, finding other people. But she was sort of like this guy Jeff Singer who um, who books the festival. Uh, he was sort of like her assistant. So she was a kind of like a learning experience kind of thing. You know, I, I, I headed off with her because she's from Brooklyn. You know, she has like, uh, you know, she has this fucking amazing story. She was, her dad was, uh, Pablo Escobar's accountant. Jesus. Uh, you know, like did his books basically. Is this the girl you, know you said mean? a couple of weeks ago on the radio show that you really liked? Yeah. That's the girl. Yeah. You like just talk nothing but nice about her for like a half hour, I feel like. I mean, I didn't I didn't say anything bad about her because I like again, like she's always up until now, like I've always had a great relationship with her, so like I didn't right. care. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um even that from what happened 
with that, I was sort of just like, I'm going to let it go. And at some point when I see her, I'm sure I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll just, you know, well, it'll be fixed. You know what I mean? Like it would too good of friends for it to not be fixed. And, you know, it's just, it's just got stranger because like she has, this, I guess she has this podcast with this fucking you know, let's see. Now this guy's become a douchebag. I mean, he's like been fucking with me on online and whatever. And he was this comedian that it's like he's like a hipster comic from Brooklyn who like really got close to her. And like, it feels like he's brainwashing her because the things that she's saying don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And so basically, what is the gripe? What is the gripe? I mean, look, it all started like, so she's. So through the years, I've helped her. She's helped me. We've, you know, always been very cordial to each other and, you know, very friendly. We, you know, we've talked about, you know, family stuff and whatever. And so we were always like friends. I mean, we would regularly meet for like, you know, dinner or brunch or whatever, just to discuss like what was going on in her life and if she needed like help in business and whatever. And, you know, there was always an exchange of ideas and openness. And like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed talking to her. She was great. So, when we opened up the new, we were always looking like for a role for her because we liked her. Like we were always looking for a way to like, okay, maybe you could do this at the stand, you could do that at the stand, you know, like trying to figure out a way. So like her thing is like she was booking comedy, and she she's booked throughout her time. She's booked a lot of stuff in Brooklyn, and she was like booking the Knitting Factory for a long time, and then she was booking a, show, a couple shows in Manhattan, and then I just said to her. Right around when we opened, she had lost the show she was doing downtown in Lower East Side. And we said, look, you know, that sucks because it was a great show. You, you were putting together a great show, right? So I think it's called Too Many Cooks or something like that. It was the name of the show she was doing. And I said, just come, you know, just come and do it, Stan. You know, like, you need a home. You need a permanent home for that show and a place that's not going to fuck with you and it's not going to go away. You know I'm not going to, you know, you know, tell you how to do your job or anything like that. Just do whatever you want. To me, I thought it was like, you know, me extending like this, you know, all of like this branch to her saying, look, this, like, let this, let this be your new home forever. You know, like I don't fucking, you know, I don't want you to be out there looking for what piece of shit bar dive that you're going to go to next. Let's do it here. You know? And I don't know, man, like apparently there was some animosity or resentment she was starting to build over time. Uh, so she was doing the show there. It was going well. I don't, I never interceded and it's not, I, I don't even handle that. Patrick handles that more than I do. And, you know, I see her all the time, you know, we were hang out, bullshit, talk, whatever. It was a great time. You, I sent you these photos of her, like having a great time. Yeah. I got them at up the stand. Right like, you know, and, yeah, you know, she would post about being at the stand and like having a great time, whatever. So like to me, like I, how do I know anything's wrong? You know what I mean? But you know, it all goes back to like that story I was telling you a couple of weeks ago, mm. where this where Luis Gomez, uh, you know, yeah, she loved the mirror, but <laughs> she always like you know post her photos, and, right? And then she even like posted like a photo. From our first night, it said day one, so excited. You know what I mean? Like that's fucking. That's who I remember. You know right. what I mean? That's who I, who I, think about. And like that person right there is being, 
is being very like playful, you know, with the mirror shots. You know, she's being she's saying like this is the best mirror. It makes me look better than I am. And, like she was, you know, it would be it would be funny post about you know always taking photos in that mirror. Um, that's the women's bathroom, by the way. <laughs> um, so it always goes back to this thing with Luis Gomez, right? Uh, you know, again, this guy Jake Flores has a problem with Lewis. Mm-hmm. Doesn't agree with him. Doesn't like him. So for a long time, he egged him on on Twitter, right? Oh, Jake is another comic type guy. Yeah, he's like this hipster comic from Brooklyn or whatever. You know, he's he's like alt left, and he thinks I hate, like I hate you know, those fucking terms. Every, he thinks it. every comedy club is owned by some alt right Nazi uh-huh. that deserves to die. He's in the in the past week. He says we should all all our clubs should burn down. Right. Uh, you know, and that we're we're taking advantage of the government with the PPP loans and all that stuff. Like, you know, we're not essential. We shouldn't be getting any money. Just, just ragging on the entire comedy club industry. Meanwhile, the guy never plays a comedy club, so obviously, what does he care? You know, he he goes on to say things like, you know, no real comic makes makes a living doing doing their job at those clubs. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. The amount of money we pay, you can totally make a, a living. Mm-hmm. There's some comics that between two clubs on a Friday and Saturday night, they can make over a thousand dollars just just on one night, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. sometimes a couple thousand over the weekend, you know yeah. what I mean? Bill so Burr used to talk about when you, younger doing, and you still spots. get paid yeah. th- doing spots throughout the week and traveling and wherever else you go. So on a down week, if you're not on the road and you're, you're back home living in New York, you're still working and you're still making money. And if you're good, you'll make the most money. Just the way, the way anything is, he views things from the bottom because he is at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always, and no one pays him. And he doesn't ask to get paid because his comedy is awful. Mm-hmm. And nobody would pay him for that comedy. So, like, that's right. the thing. Like, he's, he's complaining because where he comes from in Brooklyn and where he's kind of grown up as a comic, if he makes $20 per spot, it's a shock. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's a shock to his system. But if you're, if you're getting, if you're working weekends and you're making, you know, anywhere between eighty to one hundred dollars a spot. Hundred dollars for fifteen minutes of work, sometimes twelve minutes of work, right? And then you can add four or five spots in one night. You know, for some comics, even the up and coming ones who we always work weekends too, especially with two stages. You know, they're extremely grateful, and it's and it is a living. It is a living. How is it not a living? Think about it. I mean, yeah, how, some how people wish making- to make you know a couple hundred dollars a day. Yeah, you know. These guys are making it in a, in a, you know, within an hour, you know, like that's a living. And he doesn't even realize like what that means to be a working comic in New York. You can absolutely survive and you can absolutely make a living and you can actually, you know, eventually live comfortable just doing that stuff. So, you know, he goes on whatever and he's like brainwashed her to think the way he thinks, you know what I mean? So, Anyway, he's, he's, he's egging on this thing, this feud between, with him and Lewis. And, like, I don't know what happened leading up to this. And I don't know if Lewis knows that the guy was going to be there. Maybe she posted the lineup and he was on the show and, like, he, like, set his sights on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. And maybe he did. Maybe there was some malicious intent there. I don't know. And it's none of my business because that's their shit. 
So they brought their bullshit to my venue, right? And, you know, I guess Lewis walks in, sees this guy sitting there, and walks over to him and says, are you fucking Jake Flores or whatever? And, like, Jake's, like, you know, like, cowering because he, he sees, like, this animal in front of him that's ready to fucking murder him. You know, this is the first time they see each other physically. Lewis Gomez from the Legion of Skanks guest. Right. This is the first time Lewis has seen Jake Never ever. met in person. All he knows of this guy is all the bullshit that he's been saying about him online. Hmm getting people to dox him, getting people to, you know, fuck with him or whatever. Right. And back and forth, by the way. They they go back and forth online. And so this is the first time Lewis has seen him. No one tells us, hey, watch out for this. No one says, hey, guys, there's this thing that's been going on between Lewis and – like people think I'm, I'm uh, myself or Patrick or my brother or, or Dave at the time – think that we know what's going on with all the fucking internet beefs. And, you know, we're supposed to fucking understand that this may go down tonight. We had no clue. Right. No clue at all. And why should Cause you? Because if I, because, yeah, why should I? It's none of my business. I don't give a fuck. So at some point, you have to realize that if you think something's going to happen, then tell us it's going to happen. So apparently she's saying that Lewis had kind of like, announced that he was going to do something to him. And I again, I have no idea. If you thought anyone was at danger, then tell me that someone's in danger. Open your mouth. Say something. So anyway, this confrontation happens. Lewis never hand, hand, uh, lays a hand on him, but the guy, the guy is cowering and backing up, and Lewis keeps moving forward, and at some point, you know, spits on him, right? Seeing this, staff members kind of jump uh, kind of jump in and like pull, you know, start push pulling them apart and all that stuff. Because we didn't know what the fuck was going on, and what we did know is, you know, that Lewis is there uh, often. We told Jake to leave, mm-hmm. and I, again, I wasn't even there that night, so I'm just telling you from what you know I saw on tape and from what staff told me. They just told Jake to leave because if he stayed. He would have just gotten like, hey, go outside and cool off. Like, go outside, you could leave, or just go outside and cool off and let this cool off. Because if you stay in his face, he's just going to keep doing this. And we had to sit Lewis down, basically, to tell him, you know, you can't do this, whatever, you apologize. We sent him home, right? And Jake didn't come back. Now, I'm finding out everything after the fact. You know, like, I don't. I don't hear this immediately. I hear like maybe a day later or whatever, you know? And so finally I go, oh, what the fuck, man? And uh, because it was like, all of a sudden there was this huge like Twitter feud between us and this guy, Jake, and he was attacking us online. And so Patrick, because he didn't want to like deal with all the feedback, just blocked everybody, including the guy, Jake. Mm-hmm. And he didn't realize, you know, he just started, like, block, 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 block. He didn't even know he was blocking Jake or whatever. But, like, so Jake goes, like, I get blocked from the from the stand Twitter, but Lewis continues to operate without, without you know, with impunity or whatever. And I'm like, oh, all right, you know, like, this has to get settled. This is bullshit. You know, we, we sat Lewis down. We told him, you know, this doesn't fly for us. You know, here's what we're going to do. 
you know, here's your punishment. If, if, you know, if we, if we get deeper in on down the line in this thing and it looks and feels worse, we're probably going to be done with you here. So he said, I totally understand, whatever. I said, you should probably go around and figure out a way to fucking squash this thing. That'll be good for optics, for yourself, for us, for everybody involved. Mm. And like, you know, I guess he invited him to come on, on the, on the podcast, whatever, and that wasn't going to work. This guy is seething. He's pissed off. So Louisa reaches out to me, you know, because they're friends and they do a podcast together called, uh, why are you mad? Yeah. Why podcast. You mad pod. Uh, or is that what it's called? Oh, why are you? Yeah. Why are you mad pod? Right. Why are you mad? <laughs> and so like, this is our friend and I get it. And I'm like, Louisa, if you want me to sit down with him, hundred percent, I'll sit down with him. Like, and I'll sit, you know, you and, mm. you know, figure out, you know, what, what's best for everybody. You know what I mean? And, you know, we like, we invited him. He writes an email saying like, he's really, he writes an email to us basically threatening us. And we saw that as like, Hey dude, like, you know, you got the wrong people here. You know, we're, you know, we, we can talk this out. We can figure it out, you know? And uh, we're always about dialogue. We're always about trying to, you know, to keep an open mind and, and figure out what, you know, you know, what the best solution is for everything, you know? And if you stop talking, if you stop the dialogue, it's over. It's fucked up. You know, you're never, you're never going to really have a solution to anything unless you, you talk about it. And so I invited this guy down and like, you know, him and her, they, they, they sat down with me and immediately this guy smelled like fucking, he, he jumped into a, ba- a barrel of beer. You know what I mean? Like he right. just stunk. He was, and he, he's, he was drunk. You can tell he was slurring his words. He wasn't doing, you know, he had no eye contact with me at all. Every time I looked at him and like, you know, he was just kind of like all over the place. And I'm like, I can't even take this guy serious, but I'm sitting here. So, and I kept turning to her, asking her to explain because he just seemed like all he cared about was us unblocking him on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like that was really what was pissing him off more than anything. He kept saying that over and over. I don't understand why I got blocked. I don't understand why I got blocked. You know, like this is why you got, you got blocked because you're annoying and you don't really get to the point. So, you know, they were both like consumed with how the hell how the hell can we go on if you're not going to do something to this guy? You know, they felt like what Lewis did was an act of violence and an act of intrusion and like took something away from them. You know what I mean? And I, and I didn't disagree with them. I just said, okay, in your minds, what would you want? Well, you should be banned from the club. I was like, okay, Leo, if that's what you want. I'll talk it over with everybody and we'll figure it out. If that's, if that's what's going to happen, because they didn't tell me anything in that meeting right? That wasn't what I already heard. And then I, I, point, I point blank said to the guy, do you feel like you're in danger? Do you, do you, would you, were you threatened? Are you physically harmed? Do you want to press charges? Because if you want to press charges, I'll walk with you to the precinct right now and I'll cooperate 100%. I'll give you guys tapes, videotapes. I'll have staff witnesses come forward Whatever you need, we'll cooperate 100% fully. So, like, what do you do with that, Kieran? Like, what what do you do? 
What's the next stop? What I, if you if someone says they got spit on in a club? If you got spit on a club, right? Right. What's your next move? If I get spit on on a club? Yeah. What are you gonna do? I, I well, I don't know. I would imagine I'd fight. But <laughs> I mean, I'd be mad. You, this guy didn't fight, which I'm actually okay. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm happy with. I'm happy he didn't. It didn't come to blows, and I'm happy that it didn't get violent because that fucking would really suck for us and would obviously suck for them. Mm. You know, because no one would have gotten hurt. And so I was happy that it hadn't escalated to that point. But I can't offer you. He's he's, he's looking for justice. You know what I mean? He's looking for, like, me to lay down some kind of law. And the reality is, dude, I own a fucking restaurant. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's it. That's all this is. Yeah, I know. I don't don't see why. I don't even know why they made a podcast out of it. Like, it's fucking retarded. Like, I'm I'm looking at the, the thing you sent me. And they even have like a description, like it says Jake and Louisa discuss Seth Simmons' newest expose on the Steam. Yeah, on me, that was because the, then he shit on me because of that thing that came out a few weeks ago. Yeah, all right, underbelly of the New York City comedy it, scene and how it's caused. Like, fact, what is what is this? What is this shit? I don't even know what this is. This is like the fact that he started in on me yeah. is like after this thing is crazy because he's had he's had it out for me since this incident. Talk about niche and, upon niche fucking uh, right. podcasting program. I mean, this is this is a podcast for fucking four people who are in a well, disagreement. I mean, it's unreal. <laughs> it really is. It, that's what it is. I so, mean, I, I walked away from that meeting and what they wanted more than anything else was one, to be unblocked on, on the Twitter. Mm. And I did it right in front of them. Two, for us to make an announcement on how we were handling Lewis and three to make sure he was like invited back and all that stuff. And I said, and I said to him, look, I'll unblock you on Twitter. I can promise you that nothing that happened with this incident will mm. impede you from being here. If you, if you're wor- worthy of being here just on performance only, and you know, being a great comic, you will be here. There's nothing that's stopping you from that. Right. But I'm not making an announcement. And here's why I'm not making an announcement. Because fucking John and Jane Doe that are making a brunch reservation for fucking Sunday brunch don't give a fuck that these two idiots fucking got into it at our place. Right. You understand? What does that have to do with with a guy who's looking to make a brunch reservation? What does that have to do with a guy who's following us because their favorite comic performs here? They don't know who the fuck Lewis is. They don't know who the fuck Jake are. Hmm. Jake is or Louisa is. They don't give a shit about that show. I feel about like... That, about that beef is what I'm saying. So, like, like what's the big deal? Like, what do, you, what do you really want from us? What do you want us to do? I feel like this guy, Jake, has zero clue of what is interesting to people. I'm reading this description. It's unreal. I'm like, who cares? So he wants us to make a spectacle out of this thing so he can get more bullshit, you know, attention online. And I'm just not feeding into it. I'm is that like it. a thing? Like get attention? I guess it is. I guess so. Look, he's got like fucking 30,000 followers of just people that are exactly the same as he is. They're like all what? fucking cry Flannel babies. Wearing fucking They're all fucking millennials. They're all fucking, you know. Hipsters. Just the biggest whiners ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's fine. And they attack me all the time. And uh, so this thing happened, you know, in that magazine or whatever. I'm not mentioning magazine. I'm not mentioning that guy's name. Uh, again, that's for attorneys to handle. And 
I'm not talking about that. So he he takes that thing and this goes he goes in on he goes in on me. I'm like, man, like I treated you like fairly and I treated you like a fucking person. And you obviously have all this hatred and resentment towards me and that's fucking stupid. And I basically said, look, you guys, you were willing to perform at our club and you, and yet I'm the Nazi alt-right fucking comic club owner. Like that's insane. Yeah. You know, like how are you carrying this out? You're siding with this guy because of this incident that happened all like a year and a half ago. Is and, this- you know, as angry as I was at him, I was even angry at, even more upset at the fact that she jumped in and defended the guy and like went in on me. And I'm like, shit. Right. You know, I'm not arguing with her. That's the last thing I'm going to do. I enjoy her. So the last thing I'm going to do is fucking get into it with her online and make a public spectacle of this fucking thing. So I texted her Mm. and I called her. She didn't answer either. I told her in the text, hey, this doesn't have to be this way. Don't get involved. You know, you and I can talk this out. She didn't respond. Called her. She didn't respond. And basically, at some point, she told Jake to shut up on Twitter. And he stopped. And he and I, and I thought it was over. And then I see this podcast. Now, the Why You Mad podcast from uh, hosted by Jake and Louise. Uh, right and the, and the thing is I don't I don't have I guess you have to pay for it. I don't I haven't used Patreon to this day so I don't know how it works. I don't see why you would want to listen to this based on the description. Right. The <laughs> like fact is the thing is behind the paywall. We discussed right? an argument between two people that happened 3 2 years ago. The thing, <laughs> like, the thing is behind the thing is behind the paywall and I'm not willing to pay to listen to mm. someone shit on me. So I'm not going to do it. But someone sent me the 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 preview. Yeah. And I listened to it and like towards the end of it, like the last two minutes, mm. she's going on and on about how she felt duped and tricked into being brought into the stand, not because she was, you know, we cared about her brand or her comedy, you know, her, her thoughts on comedy or anything, but to cleanse our image. Cleanse your image as a comedy club the vice guy you know what i mean yeah. i didn't really understand uh, do you want me to play it's, it i think it's the last two minutes so if you want to play yeah. like the last 30 seconds of it is really when she goes in on me all right i'll just i'll just play this is the five minute clip of the why you mad pod hosted by jake and louisa discussing the Seth simmons newest expo- i mean i really want to read the description because it makes you just want to get a cup of coffee yeah i'm can, I'm really this horrible person that's what i am <laughs> Uh, long-time listeners of the show remember this guy, Chris Italia, as one of who protected Luis Gomez after he attacked Jake and shoved Louisa at the stand in December 2019. Seth's piece exposes Italia as an alt-right message board user. An alt-right... What is... Is that even a thing? Uh, it's another made-up fucking Like, fallacy. I'm going to get on the internet tonight and be an alt-right message board user. Like, who is? Who are these people? In their world, it's a real thing. In what my world, world, I have no idea what that is. You Williamsburg isn't like, the world. I have no idea. Like, they think I know what that is, yeah. and I have no idea. And they, Because their world uses terminology like that. God damn it. My world doesn't. And they don't get that my world doesn't. So yeah, the I, fact that they think I'm hmm. that guy is hilarious to me. It's fucking really hilarious. But the thing is they want to keep dragging my name through the mud and they're connecting me 
to this guy, and that's what the you know the future mm-hmm. lawsuit and all that stuff is about. But all right, hopefully, you, you guys know, can either, hear. Here is either the, way, uh, it's fucking retarded. The whole thing is retarded. You know, the fact that I got to go through this, it's probably some of it is my doing for sure. I should have never fucking got into it with this guy. Now it's going to cost me money. I got to fucking do it because I got to clear, you know, I got to make sure I clear Dave's name, which the guy drags through the fucking mud. Mm. And I got to, and I got to fucking, you know, answer people who think that maybe there's a fucking smidgen of truth to this, which there isn't. There's zero. There's nothing about that whole thing that's real. Nothing. It was completely made up poof out of fucking midair. It's amazing. I never read something that's more fiction than that. And uh, anyway, so that's the clip. I don't know. You gonna play, play some play of it? it or? Yeah. Um, I'm just the last two minutes of this preview of the Why You Mad Pod. The episode is called The Last Stand. Yeah. Oh, it's called The Last Stand. Called <laughs> the last stand. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Where's my. No, point. not that one. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking for the wacky wax. I don't even know what yeah. it is. All right, I think I have mine if you want me to go get it. No, I, yeah, go get it because I, I really want to. You know, I hadn't dug that deep into what he was even doing at Vice, which if you look at it back then, all of the all the writings on the wall, you know, he was making this really specific, weird, uh, cultural, you know, reactionary argument when he was at Vice, which is why he got kicked out. But uh, but I didn't fucking I was doing comedy. I couldn't put it together, you know. And so, like, part part of the reason I'm making this argument is because it includes me. But like, you can't really give shit to the individuals in this because what you're doing here is a structural critique. And like, I think my main criticism of seth's article is that he misses that a little bit and he should really be wary of the fact that when he just drops names like that yeah a few of them are our fucking friends i mean he mentioned like lori kilmartin had a special produce through one of these companies yeah stop right there she's not a nazi she's cool she's stop stop right there lori kilmartin is a great friend of mine i love her to pieces she's fantastic she was doing this one-man show after her dad passed away called 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad. And they're all based on a Twitter, on, a, on, a, on these tweets that went viral at some point, right? She was, she was uh, doing, she was writing jokes uh, on Twitter as she was in hospice with her father. Mm. And she was, it was just like one firing at one after the other, right? And so then I saw her doing this one-woman show uh, that was amazing. I mean, it, it, like the amount, like you, you can't stop laughing, but you also like fucking see the, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Here's mine too. Yeah. yeah okay. We duel here. here here's for, this is for Jake. Yeah. Last stand. Oh, I'm going to tell you like cancel culture is, uh, I really, I hate his voice too. Fuck. Oh yeah, voice. for sure. So like, fucking... oh my God, ironically, they're all right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to fuck off. Talk like a normal um, human being. He, he talked, uh, I just, uh, I don't know what it is. He's like, he's got so, that wine drinking voice. Oh, I don't know. So at that. that point I had produced like, I had produced a few specials and I, t- and like, you know, I had put together, you know, production company, I, you know, I'm partners with and doing, you know, we do a lot of stuff together and comic specials is one of them. So I told, uh, I told her, Hey, look, I, if no one's talking to you about this, I'd really love to help you. Because I really feel like this could be amazing. And it was amazing. And we put out a great piece of fucking, you know, material. It was, if you watch that special, um, 
it's fantastic. I mean, there's not only are you getting her special, but then we put together like a a doc but around it. Mm-hmm. We like we we like fucking did interviews with Conan O'Brien, Pat Oswalt, you know, her mom, her sister, like other people in her life, and. It came out great, and critically, it was it was well received. She's got you know fucking New York Times, the great piece on it, you know. So for us, it was all feel good. To to try and drag that and say anything negative about the experience because we produce it, it's fucking tainted. Like fuck you, fuck right, you. Here's more. Go watch it. Go watch it and and see how fucking good it is. You morons. Okay. Friend, and she just happened yeah. to work with them, and that's that's why this is so fucking dangerous. Is because yeah. people can work with these people without even fucking knowing it, and ended up you know inadvertently Jake, being had, part of the whole situation. I had a combo with a comic today, actually, where we were basically talking about the fact that we regret working with the stand. You know what I mean? And like we were both, and it's something I've heard from other uh, women or non-binary or non-white comics. Jesus, uh, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. What did you just say? Non-binary, non-white comics. Like, what the fuck is that? Who talks know. like that? They do. This, that world does. This like, is we the don't shelter. We can't understand that world. We have to be taught it. They and need I, to and get I, out look, of the fucking bubble because nobody in the United States or around the world talks like these cocksuckers. You guys are insane. Get out of your own minds, fucktards. You're stupid. You are fucking stupid. All of you. Jesus Christ. Do you think anybody within a five mile radius of where you're doing your fucking podcast gives a shit about binary people? What the fuck are you talking about? What are they talking about? My God. There's too many. You know what it is? I'll say something controversial right here. Not everybody should have an opinion. <laughs> And also, not everybody should be put in a category. No. What is, yeah, what is We're creating categories every day, and it's getting out of hand. Like the regret working with the stand? What are you working? You're not working with the stand? The stand is its own entity. You're coming there to provide a service. Right, as a producer. Yeah. Which, by the way, which, by the way, was she, was she really never on the seams on the stand? We didn't need her to produce a show there. Right. We have fucking people banging on the door to produce show there a mile long. Right. It's a comedy club in New York. We wanted her to do it because we like her. Right. That's it. It's That's a the only reason we to get the gig to work at the stand. It's not a 50-50 deal. Jeez. Stand. Well, in that case, it wasn't. <laughs> what are you saying there, Chris? Sorry. So in that case, I think it was a 50 <laughs> Something I've heard from other uh, women or non-binary or non-white comics, um, not just in reference to the stand, but to other like more traditional, more closed-off venues, this like feeling of like we now, like in retrospect, we realized that we thought that we were being trailblazers by like putting our foot in the door and bringing people in with us and like changing things incrementally in spaces we weren't wanted in before. But then when you look at it again, in retrospect, we actually were pawns. They were being used to clean these people's reputations. Does that make sense? Oh my God. <laughs> like why is I don't, this is so, biz- like this whole, f- oh my God. 
it's okay, let me explain. It's hard to explain how retarded these people are. This is this is how crazy that quote is. Yeah. Can we can we play it again? I'm fr- <laughs> if you want to. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But then when you look at it again in retrospect, we actually were pawns. They were being used to clean these people's reputations. Does that make sense? So, I mean, the reputations of the stand. So they're bringing in liberal type people so that the performances that happen at the stand don't look so uh, right wing. This weekend, our great governor allowed 35 percent capacity. Right. All right. Our, our amazing fucking Governor Cuomo, thirty-five uh, yeah. bestowed upon us thirty-five percent capacity. Mm. Let me explain to everyone that needs to that wants to know whether we need cleansing or not. Every seat available was taken. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, do you think John and Jane fucking Doe, who are ordering fucking red velvet pancakes and fucking avocado toast really give a fuck about where I stand politically or what some fuckhead said in some rag magazine about me. They do not. Mm -hmm. They don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. We have bottomless drinks and they love every second of it. That's why they're there. I'm not a fool to think that me is the reason why anybody would come or not come to a place. Right. Right. So, the fact that you think because you were there and you were cleansing me and we were using you as a fucking pawn? Really? That's really? That's what you think of our fucking relationship? Our relationship that we fucking had for fucking seven years where we helped each other out, where we encouraged each other, where we pushed each other, where we gave each other advice? You're willing to throw that all out. To basically say, I'm, I made you a pawn. We made you a pawn. And by the way, like Patrick, sweetest fucking person to her. Dave, always supportive of her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like these two. I mean, like, very you're fucking nuts, man. I didn't ask you to be there. They just wanted you, needed a, you needed a place to go, and I offered it to you. Because you shouldn't be fucking doing anything in dive bars, I said to her. I like you deserve. Stand, I don't like the you deserve stand. a place to do this show that's fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. The stand is fantastic. You see it, you love it. You're there all the time. Right. Just do it here. Just, Just do it here and, and do it, it any way you want. Yeah. Without any interruption from us. Yeah. And that's exactly what she got. She was able to book her show the way she wanted it, promote it the way she wanted it. We never got involved. Well, there you go. It's it's fucking hurtful. It's hurtful that a person I call a friend, the person I've helped out over the years, would not only sign with a fuck uh, side with a maniac who's obviously obsessed with me. The guy, the guy this weekend tweeted, "Does anyone follow me?" Because I blocked him on Twitter, and he's asking people, he's asking people, "Does anyone follow me?" So they can report back to him if I said anything about him. Like you're, think about that shit. Mm. This guy's insane. He's obviously trolling me. Like, that's the kind of guy you're going to side with? And then this guy, Jake, you're going to side with him? And she's really pissed off about this thing that happened with Lewis. She really wanted fucking Lewis to be banned for life. And she really wanted us to make an announcement. She probably just doesn't like Lewis Gomez. 
Because he's very, <laughs> he's very you know, rough around the edges, Lewis is. Listen, I yell at Lewis. Yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with Lewis. I've known Lewis for 15-plus years, okay? And through arguments, through ups and downs, through whatever, you know, we've always come out of it saying, mm. okay, you know, you got your point of view, I got my point of view, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to defend his actions, but, but what I am saying is you had an opportunity. I gave you an opportunity to press charges. I gave you a time period on how long I would be willing to do that. You decided that you didn't want justice. You just wanted us to feel this Twitter fucking feud. And I wasn't going to be any part of that because you guys brought that shit to my house. You guys brought that fucking feud here. I didn't. I had nothing to do with it. And I gave you every single opportunity to make it right the way you wanted it. But you didn't. And I still punished the fucking guy, by the way. When I walked out of that meeting, the guy was drunk. She was like, you know, mm. pissed off. And I said, look, I'm going to move forward with the punishment we have. And, you know, it'll be handled internally. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. We don't make announcements on people we discipline here. Right. So... That's how it ended, and I, and she's obviously held all this resentment towards me the entire time that she was still doing shows there. She was holding resentment towards me. And by the way, if you're my friend, just fucking tell me. Just take me aside and say, you know what? I haven't gotten over this. I'm really pissed off at you. Like, we need to fucking handle that. Otherwise, I'm just going to go. But she didn't go. She stayed. She fucking stayed. She didn't go. She still took pictures in the bathroom. She still posted photos about how much fun she was having at the stand. She still came there with her friends and drank and ate and did all the fucking things anybody who have a good time would do. And you know what I noticed when I would see her there? I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. She's calling this place a home. She finally feels comfortable. You know, she's bringing her friends here. She's... You know, this is what I wanted for her. I wanted for her to be prideful about the shit she was doing because yeah. I'd been in her position. When we were doing cringe humor shows, we were we wish someone had extended this offer to us. We wish. Mm. We were doing fucking dive bars and fucking. We were the we, same thing she said about you know being trailblazers and all that stuff. Yeah, we wanted that too when we were in her position. You know what I mean? But guess what? We are trailblazers because we fucking opened up the club. We put our fucking money in. We, we fucking put our money where the, our mouths are. Right. We took the fucking risks. Okay? We did all that shit. And, and our reputation? What's our reputation? What is it? Because I'm still fucking waiting to hear a real fucking side to any of this. Everyone gets an opportunity there. There's not one person who should fucking ever complain about being mistreated there because they get treated like fucking kings and queens. They get food thrown at them. They get drinks thrown at them. They get paid. They have a fucking awesome fucking green room to hang out in, smoke weed, cigars, whatever the fuck they want, and drink to their heart's content. All right? They got a, a, a fucking awesome bar upstairs. They got two stages. They never have to leave. They can do shows up and down. Okay, we built a fucking place for them. I don't think you need because to. I to be honest with you, I don't think you need to give these two any more fucking I am not. I just like yeah. 
you know, here's what I'm going to say about you, you anybody. Run very, you run a very successful business in the center of the world, pretty much New York City. I mean, it, I mean, I mean, people. I know people are leaving because of the pandemic and stuff, but it's a comedy club in New York City. It's it's something that people want to be a part of. You know, if anybody says they're my friend or considers themselves a friend, or we have a friendship, mm-hmm. and they have a problem with anything I've said or done or whatever, or they believe the trash. That this guy wrote, they should absolutely fucking tell, talk to me about it because I'm not gonna be this guy who runs away from bullshit. Mm-hmm. Talk to me, fucking come to my face and let's talk it out. I'm not an asshole, you know I'm not an asshole, and I'm gonna treat you with respect, just the way I've always treated her with respect. Yeah. Well, so the fact that she turned on me because this guy is definitely brainwashing her, without a doubt. Yeah, I don't know anything to about me, this. To me, it just feel, it's like heartbreaking yeah. because it's like I didn't give a fuck about anything else. The friendship was really what I cared about. Yeah, I, I think these two need a uh, new perspective or something. <laughs> I don't know anything about these people, but just the way they, I mean, they, they word their description for their uh, why you mad the last stand pod is just like, it. I mean, it's way too descriptive for something that is nothing. Right. It really is nothing. <clears throat> and by the way, like a, a while back, I had done this podcast uh, called Skeptic Tank with Ari Shafir, mm. where the whole thing was dedicated to my time as an EMT and a journalist, and we talked about two, uh, September 11th and all that stuff. And like, it was my only account that I've ever done, and I never do it again, of what happened that day leading up and the aftermath. It's not a story I like to talk about or tell or write about or any of that. You know, I just, it's just, you know, ingrained in my mind that I just don't need to go over it and over it all the time. But, you know, Ari really pestered me to do it. And, like, you know, a therapist I was seeing at the time on and off said it's a good idea. You should probably just do it and get it out and have your accounting out there. I said, okay, fine, I'm going to try it. And I did it. I didn't regret it. At first I did a little bit because it's just like, you know, it's, it's not me to talk about that type of stuff. Like, I don't really do that. And, you know, so there was a part of me that was, like, still trying to hold on to it or whatever. Anyway, she listened to it. And it, and it, she came forward and told me, hey, I got, you know, this tragic thing that happened to me as a kid and, you know, all the stuff with Pablo Escobar and everything. And I said, Louisa, I was like, you know, the one thing I'll say is you persevered. You know, you're here. You're fucking... You know, you're doing good things. You're not that person. You're not your dad. You're not, you know. And she basically said, Ari's asking me if I would tell that story. And I said, yeah, you know, you should probably do that. You know, you should probably just get it out, get it out there, say it once, and then never, you know, if anyone wants to know about it, they can just point to that, you know, and, and you never say it again. And and that's the way I do it. If anyone ever asks, I'll say, hey, go listen to the podcast. What do you want from me? Like, I don't want to talk so we had this whole long fucking discussion about it. But now Ari is the type of comedian she's complaining about because he takes a position and he, you know, has something to say about it. She's, she's fighting the very people that she like fucking helped all these years or they helped her. And it's like, what are you doing? So you're telling me because Ari has a different opinion on things or if I have a different opinion on things, we're horrible people because we don't see it the way you see it? I mean, 
And I don't even, I think I have more in common with her than most people. So like, I don't even think that way, but just the fact that it's either, it's either that or, or us, it's either us or it's us versus them. And that, that whole mentality, it's starting to really take over. It's always an us versus them thing. It doesn't have to be. You can fucking disagree on things and still fucking love each other or be friends or whatever the fuck. Right. You don't have to see everything eye to eye. That's not the way this world works. You have to work with people that you don't like sometimes or you don't agree with sometimes. This fucking generation and what you just heard her say, non-binary or whatever, it's because she's afraid to offend any single person. So she has to use those words, and I get it. That's the way it is now. I get it. But, like, don't hate somebody who doesn't know they have to say that. Listen to the description. Can I read the description? It just drives me nuts. <laughs> I mean, this is a nothing situation. I mean, it really is something that happened in 2000, December 2019. Jake and Louisa discussed Seth Simmons' newest expose on the steamy alt-right underbelly of the New York City comedy scene and how it caused one of its owners of the Stand Comedy Club to go and have a meltdown in Jake's mentions. Uh, Jake's mentions, meaning... Jake's mention mentioned me. That's why I was on his fucking... Why I was on his mentions. So like, I didn't have a meltdown. I, I addressed I was, him. I addressed I a, all his crit- critiques of me. If I was a dude... Because I'm not going to run away from anybody. If you have something thing. fucking to say, if I was a dude, I'll fucking talk to you about it. I wouldn't know what... I wouldn't even... Just how it's written, like... They automatically assume that everybody knows what mentions are. <laughs> no exactly. one knows what a mention like, Well, because, because they're, Twitter, the people like, that listen to them or yeah. the people that follow them do. Those aren't the people that we know. I mean, <laughs> long, I mean long times. It's just, just fucking. I mean, these people are so sheltered. Like, get, like, get out. Go outside. Go to middle, middle America. Go to mid. No realize, one can. Realize no one's like you. No one is like this. I realized that from like I'm I'm actually there's one thing I do I'm glad about moving away from New York City six years ago is that I realized how fucking sheltered I was living there. It's been people in other parts of the country think totally different than people in New York City. So you got to yeah. get out and, and and live a little, folks. Jesus Christ. Uh, Jake and Louisa. You got you're going and again, on a slippery, and again, you're on a slippery outside of this, I've only ever had good things to say about her. I know, but she was a she was a fantastic human being to me. I felt like I I gave that back, and it's not about betrayal because you know whatever you know gives a shit about this anyway. But it does it's it does fucking it, it is heartbreaking that binary non-white. I didn't. <laughs> Can't get over well, I can't get out of my head. I'm like, who the what? What is a binary non-white? I'm gonna ask somebody that tomorrow. Are you a binary non-white? What is that? Can I get a binary non-white on uh, with a hint of a uh, milk? I think I would call my girlfriend a binary non-white. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck the shit out of your binary non-white ass. She'd probably give me a dirty look if I said binary. Binary. I don't binary. Non, right, I, so, I can picture you know, Jake and Louisa listening to me talk about. I just, right I just heard her say, "I don't know what that means." <laughs> no one and should know. And she's like much younger than me, and like she just yelled out, "I don't know what that means." Uh, gender non-conforming, non-binary, binary non-white. Non-binary. It's binary. I wrote in binary non-white. Nothing comes up. So I think maybe Louisa used that wrong. 
Yeah, see, she made that mistake. Yeah, I'm just realizing that now. <laughs> she she must have offended somebody. Yeah. there has to be my someone down, you know, listening to her podcast. <gasps> I can't believe she said that. Yeah. And Jake's <laughs> got to get rid of the uh, you know TV talker voice guy. Um, I don't. I, mean, I can't believe the I and all. I Shut up. Oh yeah, everybody has an alt right Nazi. Right, I mean, and, uh, obviously, if you own a comedy club, you must have, you must be an alt right Nazi. Yeah. I mean, come on, <laughs> Chris owns a place where other human beings go up on a stage. The worst and they, part is and they, the, and they describe their art. Whatever they say on stage is not a reflection on Chris. It's fucking retarded. You guys are dumb. This, Stop it. This guy, this guy went after another comedy club owner this past week. This guy, uh, Donnie Zaldin I'm from sure Stand Up New York. I'm sure he did. So Donnie launched this program through like one of these uh, Jewish healthcare providers. Mm. You know, he's very, you know, he's Jewish. He's like very involved in the in the in the uh, in the community and everything. And he made a deal with with them to kind of allow comedians during the pandemic. <clears throat> to be able to get free healthcare for like, you know, minor stuff, you know, like checkups, you know, uh, you know, having a fever, cold, whatever, whatever you would see a primary doctor for. He's saying, we got you covered. I'm doing this for all comedians. You can apply on our website and you can do that. He's, this guy found the problem with that. He found the problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, and he it, shit it, it, all it, over him. He's it, like, dude, it, if you don't like the fact that the guy launched this thing, you know, do you really need to talk about it or comment on it? He's trying to fucking help. He's trying the, to do something. <laughs> like, to do something. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't deal he, with like. Uh, he claimed the guy was just doing it for write offs or some shit like that. And it's like, you can't write that off. You, can't. <laughs> you, know, you know who could write that off? The insurance company can write that off, not him who owns a fucking company club. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 he's just a complainer, man. I don't know anything about this Jake guy, but he, he seems uh, like he's still one of like the worst, like just the worst kind of person who just complains about everything. Jake, I'm sorry, man. We just did a whole goddamn podcast on you, and you sucked the life out of me, and I've never even met you. <laughs> I've heard just you, on that one clip. I've I've heard you speak for 25 seconds, maybe, and you've sucked the life out of me. I can't. I I don't even care. I like I'm. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well. There you go. There's I mean, look, it's uh, unfortunately we live in a time that, you know, you do have to watch what you say. And there are people that have committed to these categories and have said, hey, if you don't use that or the terminology of the word, the verbiage properly, then you are being inconsiderate. And, you know, and I get it. And it's like, well, then you know what? You definitely need to fucking teach me what that is. And you need to remind me this is how you say this, this is how you say that. Yeah, but are you always- Don't expect me to go out and just fucking constantly update myself right. on every new fucking term. Absolutely not. Because there's new shit every, every week. I know. And, and they need to lighten up. It's not, it's not, no, fuck that. We don't need to le- learn the verbiage or pronounce it the right way in the right tone. They need to fucking lighten up. That's what they need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and, I, and I, there's a, a personal experience to me that I had. I had a I have a cousin that's trend that was transitioning right, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say they because that's what they want to be called. Um, she was uh, she see they wanted to they were transitioning and her dad his dad they dad their dad whatever. <laughs> see, what, really see what I'm saying? Stuff. You can't get it. Right. Maybe you really need to go on classes. Anyway. <laughs> 
the the dad is very like old school Italian, like fucking off the boat. You know, doesn't really know any of this shit. Has paid for everything, including the operation. Mm. All right, supported this person, supported my cousin. Said to my cousin, I'll, "I'll take it care of everything, and you can live rent free in the house I buy, and you can, you know, you know, hide out there until you're ready to come out. After all, this is, you know, whenever you're ready, right. you know." Preps everything for, for my cousin. Preps everything. Like You couldn't find a more supportive parent. But through the process, he would make mistakes. He wouldn't right. call her by her new name because he just made a mistake. Like it would slip out of his mouth. Right. Because in, cause in my, and throughout my cousin's entire life, this was her name. You know, but now it's this name. And so it took some time for him to get used to some, so he would yeah. slip once in no, a while. No, I have the same thing in my life. My, my first goddaughter went from uh, a daughter to a dude, you know, and went from Taylor to Evan. Which, by the way, like, that's the same type I, of relationship I have with her. My know? transition was, was, hey, Tay. That was her dude, godfather. What up, Evan? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Done. Over. Done. And Easy. Like, done. Now I have no, I never slip when I, yeah. when I say, his name, I say it all the time, yeah. and I say it appropriately. And I never, because it took some time to get used to. Yeah. I try whenever you know I talk to them or anyone in their family to use the right terminology. But like, look, it fucking happens sometimes, you know. You have to have the patience with everyone around you, just like we're having the patience, you know, learning every, you know, learning what you're going through. Mm. You know, we don't know. This is all new to us too. Right. So, you know, I think people just need to understand that just because things are being said or things are not being said appropriately, it doesn't mean that that person's a bad person or that person wishes you harm in some way, both mentally and emotionally. It's just, it takes time. It takes time to figure out what all those things are. Whenever I hear new categories, I make a mental note of it and I do the best I can to like fucking say it right. But you know, we're doing a fucking podcast. Like, you know, that person she was talking about on the podcast that she said she spoke to a friend, right. a comic who regrets. When when she describes her that way, it's almost worse. Yeah, it is terrible. It's stupid. And, and I don't know. I mean, it's just gotten to the point. Like, like you can see the terminology, the whole terminology thing. It's like. Did somebody say something wrong to that person that they feel like she feels that they regret working with us? Is that the case? Because if that's the case, that person should have come forward and said to us, "Hey, I don't like the way like, you spoke about we're us." Or, correct. It's I don't like. It was like we're also living in a in a in a generation like this Gen, Gen X and, and millennials, uh, Gen Z. Sorry, and millennials. They they don't vocalize anything. I lived in like, if I got a problem with you, I'm going to tell you. Like, Kieran, you're fucking up. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I don't like the way you fucking, that joke you said about me. Or, hey, Kieran, I don't like the way you handle this. And back and forth. That's what we live in. We, that's what we understand. This generation, they do not talk about anything that's bothering them to the person that bothered them. Mm-hmm. So how the fuck am I supposed to know? You know, if, you, if you're somebody you, I consider a friend or whatever... Just fucking say, hey, I don't like the way that came out. 
well, did you mean that? Or what the fuck are you doing? Say something. If you've got a problem with somebody, say it. It's the way things are resolved, man. So if she's talking about a person who had a problem with us at the stand, I don't know about it because we haven't heard about it. So if you did have a problem, bring it to our fucking attention. Let's figure it out and find a solution, find a middle ground. A good friend of mine is this guy, Alexis Guerrero, who's a comedian, right? Great guy. We're both huge soccer fans. We talk about a bunch of shit. He loves pizza. I love food. We talk about food all the time, whatever. We get along. I I always reach out to him because I just enjoy his conversations. And, you know, I'm very comfortable around him. He was producing a show at the stand. And one night, like, something got really fucked up, and I expressed my dissatisfaction. I was dissatisfied with the way things went down. And I may have said something that offended him. For almost a year and a half or more, I don't even know how much it was, he held that shit in. And then I would, finally one night, we were at this fucking party, and I said to him, dude, like, is something wrong? What the fuck? Mm. And he's looking at me like, I'm crazy. You know, like, I'm like, I'm confronting him. And he's like, you know, we still got that thing that went down. I'm like, what thing? It's like that thing that happened with the show and the way you spoke to me. I was like, I got, I don't know. How did I speak to you? Like, tell me what I said. I don't even remember. And he's like, you call me a piece of shit. You know, like, like if you would make a mistake and like, Kieran, you're a piece of shit. That's the, that's what happened that night. Right. And he didn't realize that's just the way I talk or the way I say things or whatever. But by the way, I was wrong because it was a tense situation and I said something that might sound offensive, you know, that might be offensive. We never cleared the air until that fucking night. And even after that, he was still like skeptical. So it took like another four or five times talking about it for him to finally go, you know what? You're right. I'm holding on to this thing too long. It's, yeah, you it's, think? Point, it's pointless. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I get it, man. You really do give a shit. You really want, you know, you want to really help me out. You want to, like, do this or that. You want to hang out. Like, we have, we're, we're hanging out. Like, we make time to hang out now. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what I, uh, that's how I'm expressing it to him. I was like, I don't fucking dislike you. I think you're a fucking awesome guy. And I think your wife's amazing and all this other stuff. Like, I, we had one night where we're fucking, we got pissed off at each other. That's what friends do. That's what brothers and sisters do. You fight. You call each other shit. You say fucking uh, fucked up shit to each other. But then you fucking make up. That's the way it works. Like, I think this generation's losing their minds. Because if you say one bad thing, it's over. If, you, if you're at all, if you're critical at all, it's like stabbing them in the heart. Yes, because they're, yeah, it's. The younger generation is going to be doomed because their faces are buried in their own little worlds that, you know, exist on their fucking phones and they don't have to interact. It's getting out of hand, man. All they have to do is get adulation, 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 no no problems. They can just click away from their problems on their phone. And I'm starting to realize that it's, you know, I don't don't go on this. Like, if if I didn't do the show, I would never be on the fucking Internet. I don't even like, like promoting the show on the internet. There's more of a connection from me to my parents' generation mm. 
there's more of a connection, yeah. right? I don't know why, but there is no connection between my generation and this this generation. Yeah. No. And that's and I, and that's probably because of technology. It's probably because no one's communicating anymore. They're just getting offended, and they're taking it to everywhere else but you. Mm-hmm. They never face you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any connection with you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to wrap this thing. up, Chris. No, it's different. I'm going to wrap God, this up. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, thank you for checking out the Lunatic Radio show. It's a little different show tonight, but uh, next week we'll get back to all the other rocky hijinks and other stuff. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh, Jake, if you're out there doing your podcast called... Uh, why you mad, bro? Uh, I think you should. Uh, I think that's a projection, man. I think that's you. Why you mad, bro? Because <laughs> we don't understand. None of us understand why you mad, bro. And I don't even know who you are. So I hope you go on live a great life because I don't care. Um. Uh. Yeah. That's it. Follow us at the Lunatic Radio Show on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And if you have a random question. Random question at lunaticradio.com. Fucking do that. Wacky Hijinks is returning to the Lunatic Radio. We'll do what we can. I can't uh, transition into it today. We did a, you know, we did a half hour on somebody who died. And then uh, we talked about... Uh, oh, that was fun going down that lane. Uh, what are you talking about? I think some people would enjoy uh, yeah. inside stories into Patrice. Yeah, no, I like that. I, that's what I'm saying. I liked it. I like Patrice. It was a remembrance thing. It wasn't a wacky hijinks thing. It was a remembrance thing. All right, everybody. We'll see you later. Peace. Bye, Chris. Say bye. See you later, buddy. Bye. All right. See you later, later. everyone.